The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Transfer Briefing from The Athletic. It's Friday, the 19th of January. I'm Abby Patterson. And on today's show... Salah limps off at AFCON. So he went down uh, holding his hamstring just before half-time. As Henderson leaves, Gerard signs on. This is an opportunity for Gerard to maybe turn his managerial reputation around. And Tony's ready to put the boots on. I very much feel like he'll start on Saturday. I really don't think that's in doubt. This is the Daily Transfer Briefing with Abby Patterson. But first, let's take you to the Africa Cup of Nations. And Liverpool fans, brace yourself because Mo Salah limped off during Egypt's all-action two-all draw with Ghana. The forward was subbed off before half-time, experiencing what looked like discomfort in his left thigh. Sai Hughes is out in the Ivory Coast and has all the details. Sai, how worried are Egypt? Rui Vitoria, the Portuguese coach of Egypt, has come up with a, a, a slightly positive uh, impression of Salah's injury. He says, I I think it's not dangerous, but let's see. He also stressed the importance of Salah to the team. I mean, to describe his mood, he was was actually quite relaxed and humorous in parts as well. Uh, So he certainly didn't seem worried about what happened to Salah. So he went down uh, holding his hamstring just before half-time. It took a little while for him to be taken off the pitch. It seemed like he was coming to terms with, with what he may have thought was a serious moment. But uh, Egypt conceded the goal almost immediately after he went off injured. He is in a rush to get back for the game, uh, the next game in Egypt, which is on Monday. A big game for them because they're on two points and they need at least a draw, I would say, against Cape Verde to ensure that they at least finish third in the group and are more than likely qualify for uh, the round of 16. Thanks, Sai. As for the match details itself, Egypt had to come from behind twice to get the draw, with three of the goals coming in the space of just five minutes. West Ham's Mohamed Kudos scored both Ghana's goals. In the earlier kickoffs, hosts Ivory Coast were beaten by Nigeria 1-0, thanks to a penalty scored by William Troost Ekong, having been won by Victor Oshinen. The win moves the Super Eagles to second in the table, pushing the Ivorians to third. Equatorial Guinea topped that group after they beat Guinea-Bissau 4-2. As for results elsewhere, Real Madrid are out of the Copa del Rey. Here's a run, here's a chance, here's a brilliant goal! Left off at the Metropolitano by the club record goal scorer! They were beaten 4-2 by rivals Atletico. It's the second time they faced off in a little over a week and once again the match went to extra time. That's the fifth time in a row where possible between these teams. The result is marred though as racist chants aimed at Vinicius Jr. were heard before kickoff. In the Copa del Rey's other fixture, Barcelona came from behind to beat third-tier Unionistas 3-1 to progress. There was Italian Supercoppa action between Napoli and Fiorentina. Their tournament, like Spain's, takes place in Saudi Arabia. The Neapolitans won 3-0 and go through to Tuesday's final. Inter and Lazio are the other two teams in the tournament and they face off tomorrow. Finally, in the Asian Cup, there was a 3-0 win for Uzbekistan over India, while Palestine and the UAE drew 1-0. The Premier League's winter break continues on, and this weekend we welcome back the teams that went on their various warm-weather trainings and relaxations last week. 
They're all on TV, so get yourself a large bowl of snacks and settle in for Saturday. Arsenal versus Crystal Palace is the lunchtime kickoff, followed by Brentford against Forest at 5.30. Then on Sunday, it's Sheffield United facing West Ham at 2, with Bournemouth-Liverpool at 4.30pm. Before Monday night, rounds us all up nicely as Brighton host Wolves. That's a 7.45pm kickoff. Those are all on Sky Sports, apart from Arsenal Palace, which is of course on TNT. And they're all on the USA Network in the States. But the big news coming into this weekend is, of course, the return of Brentford striker Ivan Tony. You don't need me to remind you that he's been seeing out an eight-month ban for breaking the FA's betting rules, meaning he's not been allowed to play competitively until this weekend. Jay Harris is our Brentford writer and has the story on what Tony's been up to during his ban. Tony returned to training in September. So for people that aren't aware, he wasn't allowed to go to Brentford's training ground for the first four months of his eight-month ban. The only time he was allowed to visit the training ground was to rehab the hamstring injury he picked up in his his last competitive game, which was against Liverpool at Anfield in May. And that September morning, when he returns to the training ground, he has a couple of meetings with Thomas Frank that week. Brentford's owner, Matthew Benham, actually rocked up at the training ground that week to watch training, and he tends to only visit once a month, so I feel like that was quite a big thing. They come up with this 16-week plan and throughout the whole process, Thomas Frank was talking about, we've got a really strange opportunity here because he's not injured. He's going to be fully fit the entire time he's, he's out. So we can work on, on different things. So, you know, he spent time in Nashville working on his finishing with his finishing coach called Alan Russell, um, who used to be on England's coaching staff. And in the last few weeks, he's been playing in loads of behind closed doors friendlies because he's allowed to as part of the ban. But it did make me laugh because he scores this hat-trick against Southampton's under-23s. And I think there was, you know, a sulky Southampton fan who said, oh, well done, you're scoring against 14-year-olds. But I think the very fact that he's so determined to build up his fitness and he's been doing all these extra things is is an encouraging sign. So I very much feel like he'll start on Saturday. I, I really don't think that's in doubt. And look, he might not score, but I think he'll he'll cause a lot of problems and it will kind of be as if he's he's never been away. Jay Harris there. Now, if you slide yourself over to the Athletic Football Podcast after you've finished listening to this, of course, then you can get more on this subject as Io and the team dive into Tony's return and rehabilitation. And that's also where you'll find Adam Leventhal and co on the weekend preview. It's out later today and we'll fill you in on all you need to know about the weekend's fixtures. Speaking of which, if you prefer your football to be outside the Premier League, then here's some matches I've run a metaphorical circle around in the metaphorical TV guide. Kicking off in Syria, Roma start life without Jose on Saturday. They face Verona at home. You can see what interim manager Daniele De Rossi can muster over on TNT in the UK or Paramount Plus in the States. That's on at 5pm or 12pm, depending on your location. In the Bundesliga, it's unbeaten Leverkusen's trip to Leipzig that's catching my eye. You'll have to second screen that, though, if you're watching Roma as Xabi Alonso's men kick off at 5.30pm live on Sky Sports or ESPN Plus in the States. As for La Liga, I'm going to go a little rogue here, but you're probably aware that Sevilla are having a bad time of it. They've had as many wins as managers this season and sit just a point above the relegation places. This week, they've signed Hannibal Medjbury on loan from Manchester United, and this weekend, they face high-flying Girona on Sunday evening at 8pm. Let's see if they can redress that win-to-manager ratio. It's on Viaplay in the UK or ESPN Plus in the States. And finally, it would be remiss of me not to point out the hugely enticing range of fixtures in the WSL this weekend. On Sunday, a Sam Curless Chelsea host Manchester United. That's a 12.30 kickoff on BBC Two before Manchester City host Liverpool in one of Sky's picks at 2.30pm. You can get plenty more on that Sam Kerr story and how Chelsea cope without her over on Full Time Europe. You're listening to The Daily Transfer Briefing with Abby Patterson. 
Now, as you know, the Daily Transfer Briefing is brought to you by Google Pixel, bringing fans closer to the game. And it's time for us to go beyond the frame to discover a little something you might have missed. Here's Liam Toomey reflecting on Chelsea's latest outing. Here at Stamford Bridge, this tight and tense West London derby against Fulham provided a reminder of how Chelsea fans respond to their favoured sons. The biggest cheer in an otherwise quite flat first half was for Willian returning with Fulham uh, to take a corner in front of the Matthew Harding stand with a huge roar that greeted him as he walked over and then a rousing rendition of the Willian song which detailed how he turned down Tottenham uh, in less polite terms than I've just said and, uh, and went on to forge his legend at Chelsea. And, and later in the game, we got another big roar for Ben Chilwell coming back from an extended absence from a hamstring injury. And I think it, it underlines to the players, the younger players who are at Chelsea right now, the esteem in which they'll be held if they go on to achieve great things here. This is a club that has always prided itself on on looking after its own, really treasuring its its legends. Frank Lampard, incidentally, was was also here in the in the corporate box with Lauren Stewart and Todd Bowley to watch this game. Um, I don't think he appeared on the big screens, which is why he maybe didn't get that that level of reception. But you have to think as as a couple of Chelsea's younger players in this very, very young team around Thiago Silva, they must be thinking if I can go away and and put some really good performances together for this team, I can one day get a reception like that from this crowd. Thanks, Liam. We'll have another Beyond the Frame for you soon, brought to you by Google Pixel. And finally today, Steven Gerrard has signed a new contract with Al Etifak. He will remain head coach at the Saudi Pro League side till 2027. This comes as a bit of a surprise given that his team haven't won in their last eight matches. Al Etifak currently lie eighth in the table with 25 points, which is some way off league leaders Al Hilal, who have 53 and are yet to lose a game. David Ornstein has had his finger on the pulse yet again and has the story on why Gerrard has signed on. He was appointed last summer on a two-year contract that would take him through to 2025 at the second time of asking because initially he turned it down, but then he accepted it and embraced the challenge. And in fairness, he was backed in the transfer market to give Gerard's side the best chance of competing with bigger clubs. They're not one of the top four who received investment from the Saudi Public Investment Fund all of which made it a bit of a surprise when I revealed the news yesterday that Etifak had agreed a contract extension with Gerard to take him from 2025 to 2027. And that shows their commitment to him, their belief that he is the right man for them. It may have been easier, he said, to stay in Liverpool, but they've decided to take on this challenge and they don't appear to be going anywhere soon. After... His sacking from Aston Villa in late 2022. Previously, obviously, he had some success at Glasgow Rangers. This is an opportunity for Gerard to maybe turn his managerial reputation around. Thanks, David. And to follow up our story on Jordan Henderson, his move to Ajax is now confirmed. Henderson's joined as a free agent on a two and a half year deal. And that's it for today's transfer briefing. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Abby Patterson. Mike Zimmerman was your producer with Ben Green, your executive producer. Michael Bailey will be with you on Monday. In the meantime, have a wonderful weekend. The Athletic.